This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we talk about the FA Cup. We'll talk about some of the great teams that were in it, like Marine, Chorley, the Aston Villa Academy, and Crawley Town. Absolutely love this competition. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, informed automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, and this is another exciting episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, and we always like to just have a little bit of chit-chat, what's going on in our car world uh, as of late. And Lou, last episode I was talking about the uh, Fiat relieving itself in my driveway again. Still don't know what the problem is there, but I should have an answer shortly. And uh, I assume that all your cars uh, have been uh, behaving uh, normally, I should say, and, you know, and behaving themselves. You know, Interesting you say that. The uh, odd thing is I've got a 2015 um, Lincoln MKC SUV, basically in a, uh, in a Ford Escape with a Lincoln body on it, uh, and quite honestly looks a lot better than a, than a uh, uh, an, uh, Escape. But the oh, short story is. But the short story is, uh, my wife was saying to me, it's got 42,000 miles on it. And she says, you know, I'm hearing something in the back end. (laughs) And it was uh, the back brakes went out before the front brakes did. You know, um, I think what happens with a lot of as I've had this happen on any number of my cars is the rear brakes on a car nowadays. I mean, they they basically do like 20 percent of the braking because the front brakes do about 80 percent. So they should last 100,000 miles. But what happens, and I've had this happen in the Porsche, uh, in my girlfriend's uh, Tucson, um, Hyundai Tucson, which she had before the Prius, um, I've had it happen in the Fiat. I've had it happen in a lot of cars, especially if you don't drive it on a really super regular basis, is the rear brakes, the rotors just tend to get rusted and scored a lot easier, and they don't get cleaned off as much as a front brake rotor does because there's less less. I guess there's just less, less clamping force back there because they're only contributing about 20%. And that's where all the noise comes from because the rotors just get all mucked up. And at least that's my experience. Have you, did you replace rotors or what did you do? Well, it was a full rotor and brake yeah. replacement. And it was interesting because the mechanic who did it uh, said to me, he goes, yeah, Lou, this is a little more common on the newer cars. I'm yeah. seeing a lot more of the rear brakes going out. Yeah. Now, it is an all-wheel drive vehicle, but it's not stuck in all-wheel drive. Yeah. It's got that computerized all-wheel drive whenever it needs to grab traction from whichever tire. But uh, I found that quite surprising. I did not see you know, that as being one of the things that was going to happen is that uh, you need back. That's the first car I've ever had that's needed back brakes. Before yeah. Break. No, that's not that's not uncommon at all, at least in my experience. And um, I don't I think it's like I said, I think it's because the way the cars are engineered these days, the front brakes just do so much of the braking that the rear brakes are there. You know, you still need them, but they're just not braking 
you know, they just don't have the, the as much braking force or effort that they're exerting on the rotors. And that's where the noise comes from, because the rotors, they don't get warped. They just get corroded. And obviously, when you put new rotors on, you have to put new pads on. So that's why, you know, usually a rear brake job like that's going to be less than a front brake job because the rotors are smaller. And a lot of times you won't have a, if you have four wheel disc brakes, you might have just a sliding pin caliper instead of a, a monoblock type caliper back there. So the, the uh, brake pads would be less costly as well. But no, that doesn't surprise me at all. And 45,000 miles, that's that I've had that happen even earlier than that. So um, in my experience, I think, um, you know, good to have your wife have such good hearing. <laughs> Well, I, I, yeah, I think her hearing was fine because it was starting to, and it was, you know, it was right at the end of the break, you know, yeah. like you're coming to the stop and all of a sudden yeah. you hear a little grind yeah. and, uh, um, yeah, so, so yeah, very, very interesting. I thought it was interesting, but yeah, no, okay. This is good then that you're, uh, feeling that's okay the way it was. Oh yeah. I, I totally am. That, that, like I said, that's been my experience, uh, with late model yeah, I mean, cars. It very, yeah. It wasn't very costly or anything like that. I mean, it was, uh. Uh, all done well, and but uh, uh, so that's the only thing that's been been new in the car field. Yeah, long. well, that's good. Um, we always like to talk about what we've seen on the road, and uh, Lou has added the uh, fun part to the spotted uh, part of the uh, show that we're going to talk about next is. Uh, cars that he's either ridden in or driven as part of his trials and and tribulations running the my car story with lou youtube channel but i, I saw some cool stuff uh on the road a little while back i saw a um two uh 75 uh porsche targas 911 targas uh two of them actually in the same day and i don't wow. think it was the same car a uh, nice air-cooled uh couple of air-cooled porsches a 68 blue camaro resto mod a blue was the blue and blue i know that goes together yeah, these are like all it. blue I cars like, i like blue cars a beautiful 62 blue caddy convertible with a white top the top was up and a blue willie's jeep so you don't see the uh, the Willys uh, Jeep, you know, an actual Willys Jeep, old old timey Willys Jeep. So those were some of the things that I saw tootling around on the road. And I would uh, obviously the pick to click there would be that '62 Caddy convertible. What a great uh, Mad Men uh, car that was, and that real nice kind of ice light ice blue that they used to make in the uh, in the '60s as uh, a good color for a large American car. And I'm sure that. Well, Lou, I, I don't know what you're, you're, you're ever going to be riding around in because you cover so many different things. So lay it on me and lay it on us right now. Well, well, well I'll go to the oldest to the to the newest in this lineup, and uh, both of them are 57s. There was a 57 Ford Fairline. Let me try that again. 57 Ford Fairline 500 Skyliner, the retractable top. Sure. yep. Where the whole top basically sits in the trunk. Uh, and the engineering on that is nothing short of Oh, it's of like something like three miles of wire or something like that. And uh, I don't know if it's actually three miles, but I think it was like 600 feet of wire. And there's something like 25 limit switches. And it's just, yeah, it's amazing. So that was cool. And then uh, uh, the other one that was neat was uh, yesterday. Uh, and here's why this was neat. It was a 57 Ford Thunderbird, which I was driving. It was red with the Kelsey Hayes wheels. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, an automatic thing 
But my son, who edits for the YouTube channel My Car Story with Lou, I talked to the owner of the car, and I said, you know what? We're going to the car show. I'm taking a 63 Oldsmobile Sky, uh, Starfire, and uh, uh, you're driving – both of these cars were his. You're driving the 57 T-Bird. Why don't you let him drive? He's got his permit. I said, how cool would that to be 15, not even 16 yet, and you're driving to a car show in a 57 T-Bird? <laughs> 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 so I, I got a little nice video footage of him and that, and uh, the person who agreed to that was just as thrilled. He was like, man, I've never been in the passenger seat of my car. It was absolutely yeah. wonderful. And, um, you know, the, we had a perfect day. It was probably about 73 degrees out, and it was, you know, a little bit breezy, so it was nice to let the hair blow in your uh, uh, the air blow through your hair, and, and um, uh, but what a thrill for for him! And uh, he said to me later, he says that was the best part of my day was getting the chance to drive that car. Wow. And then lastly, and then lastly, uh, besides the '63 Starfire, uh, the fourth one in the list was a '62 um, Ford Galaxy 500 XL with the 406, might have been 408. Maybe the seven liter. Uh, yeah, the 406, 407, uh, um, well, the 7 liter would be a 420. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah, you're right, yeah. So it's a little bit less than that, but but it was the 4, I think it was a 406 uh, motor, and it was a convertible, and it was just like it came off the factory. I mean, it was just perfect. So wow. that was, uh, uh, even the person who was driving it, I asked him in the dr- ride, I said, how long, I said, you don't even take this one out. He goes, no, I, I haven't been out this one, it's kind of fun to take it out. And it was a four-speed. So bench seat, four speed, four of six. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was it's just you know try to find one like that exactly and, yeah you know good good luck so. i always think it's funny when when it's it's cool like we've talked about it before we we, we talked about that one um 67 country squire ford wagon that was special ordered from the factory with bucket seats and a four speed on the floor and a station wagon and i always think it's it's cool when you can go the opposite way too and just have a a sedan that's got a bench seat but it's still got a four on the floor i mean that <laughs> that's crazy yeah so it's it's uh no, no doubt, good stuff. So that was all fun. Cool. Yeah, that's it, it, it's neat that you're able to, um, you know, experience some of these cars even for a for a short period of time. But I do think it is it, it is an interesting thing when you get to be a passenger in your own car because that that is something that I've talked about before with with car guy friends of mine. That you, when you really think about it, how often do you really get to ride in your own car as a passenger? Yeah. No, you don't. And it is a different experience. And uh, luckily, it didn't have the speedometer on the um, on the passenger side, though. So you you wouldn't be uh, having the owner telling you <laughs> to slow down, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, my son was obviously cautious. You know, before he jumped in, and I think something that's important to share with potentially the younger viewers yeah. is that an older car does not react like your Honda Civic. Meaning that, you know, it's a lot slower getting up to speed. And, and a, lot a lot longer lot to stop. Slower. Yeah, and the key is stopping. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, if you think you can run up on that other car and hit those brakes like you can on your, <laughs> on your Civic, you're going to have a new experience altogether. You got so, that uh, right. You got that. That's what always makes me nervous about, <clears throat> you know, driving like the 58 Impala in traffic is because, you know, you've got the jackass behind you that's got a modern car, and he thinks your car is going to react the same way, and it doesn't. So you always have to be careful. But, yeah, that's that's cool. That's good that you're you're bringing your editor's son 
along in the car guy world like he should be. So kudos well, you know, to him, Lou. Yeah, just one, one quick note on that. You know, I told him, too, I said, do you know how fortunate you are? I said, I didn't get to ride in a car like this until I was like 50. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> here, you are, here you are 15. And it's funny, too, because we're going to be um, just a brief uh, segment coming up later in the program. We're going to be talking about um, millennials and their love of cars, which kind of surprised me. A new uh, survey that came out, but that's coming up a little bit later in the program. Be sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report. That's what you're listening to right now on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It's available online pretty much anywhere. The RadioMisfits.com website. You can go to opishows.com. You can also check us out on Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, Amazon Audible, as well as all the other popular podcast platforms you can email us at any time we'd love to hear from uh, you whether in the u.s or some other uh, uh, worldwide location please send us an email with your comments suggestions kudos complaints whatever you want send it along to car guys report at hotmail.com mark vernon along with lou costable this is the car guys report informed automotive and you know lou there's all these uh car manufacturers that are pretty much getting out of the uh, sedan business ford is a, a notable um uh they were one of the first i think to announce that they're pretty, pretty much not going to make any sedans except for uh, a mustang or i should say cars uh, instead of the must, uh, only the Mustang is the one that they will continue with. Uh, Fiat Chrysler pretty much doesn't have too many cars left in their lineup too. They've got the Challenger, of course, and and um, but they're pretty much concentrating on Jeeps and pickups. And Lincoln, obviously, is uh, the next uh, one that has design uh, has uh, announced that they're not going to be making uh, sedans anymore. And since you have an MKC, which is the car that they're looking to make the money on, the SUVs and stuff, I thought you would find this interesting. After 103 years, Lincoln is getting out of the business of making uh, sedans to concentrate on building SUVs. And what they're doing is they're kind of going out in style. I have a few issues with the uh, last Lincoln Continentals they're making. They're doing the special Continental Coach Door Edition. Now, astute listeners to our program will know like hey wait a minute vernon that that that's like from last year yes uh, in 2019 they built 880 80 units of the uh, coach door edition and for 2020 for the 80th anniversary of the lincoln continental they're adding another 150 so uh, 2019 was the celebration of the 80th anniversary, and in 2020, they're going to make 150 more of the Coach Edition uh, Lincoln Continentals. Now, you're probably wondering what the Coach Edition is. The cool part about this is there actually are basically hand-modified by Cabot Coach Builders. It's a firm that was certified by Lincoln as a qualified vehicle modifier over 30 years ago, and basically what happens is these... Uh, Cars that are destined to become the coach editions, uh, the Lincoln Continental gets shipped to Cabot. They cut the car uh, in half uh, in the rear, right, right behind the front uh, seat. They add five inches to the wheelbase, so they're not making it into like any kind of a stretched limo. They're just vastly increasing the rear seat legroom. And then they're adding coach doors, which is basically a suicide door that's going to open uh, like, you know, Rolls Royces still have uh, 
suicide doors on them in some models, but basically hearkening back to the coach-built cars that they had many, many, many years ago. And um, the, the weird thing about this, and this is something that I guess I can live with it, but the way they, they're doing the coach doors, and I guess it can be either way, because when I think of a suicide door, I don't think of a full-frame uh, door, Lou, that's got, you know, the, the door glass surrounded by a frame. I just think of it being more of just the, the a frameless door. And on the coach additions, it's still got a B pillar that runs from the top of the roof all the way down to the to the bottom. And then it, the coach door itself is a full frame door. So it's still a suicide door, but it opens and you still have that B pillar. And I guess that's the part that kind of I thought is a little weird because when you see like a 57 Eldorado um, four door that's got suicide doors and that has a B pillar that arises only to the to the midpoint of the of the body so it only goes up as far as the door and then there's no b pillar above the door and to me that that's a cleaner look because it's a hard top look then when the when the windows are rolled down and this way this is not a hard top so that's really the difference of course they're going to have a lot of structural rigidity with that b pillar in there but to me it just kind of makes it a little i don't know in my case i don't think i'd be spending one hundred and twenty thousand dollars for the coach edition because that's what they're selling it for but um one other thing that i'm not real happy about this and and again it's just like i guess someone's gonna pony up the money to buy this but what they're doing is in the back seat they have this huge center console that goes from basically the 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 rear of the front seats all the way to the rear of the back seats so it subdivides the rear seats into just two like we were talking like in a gt car you should just have two seats back there but basically it's still a bench seat that they're just putting this center console over so it's kind of a uh, a cheap theatrical trick, you could say, because it's giving you the illusion of having, you know, two separate seats there when it's really still a, a bench seat back there subdivided by the center console. So it's a kind of cheating a little bit, I guess, but... You know, it's handcrafted. It's got a lot of, you know, nice wood and nice leather and things like that. Like I said, it's going to cost $120,000 for the uh, Coach Edition, uh, final 150 that they're going to make. And, Lou, this is the only thing that bugs me about this car, though. And this bugged me about it when the Lincoln Continental was reintroduced just as a regular sedan a few years ago. And this is a flagship for, for Lincoln, a storied nameplate that they were just sticking in the... Um, twin turbo v6 in this thing creates 400 horsepower 400 pound feet of torque good numbers but uh doesn't really spin the car out to be very quick zero to 60 in 5.9 seconds and it only has a six speed automatic which i just think is a huge mistake if you're going to pay 120 grand for a car these days it's got to have more than just a six-speed automatic in it. It's got to have at least an eight-speed, if not a ten-speed. I mean, Ford makes a great ten-speed automatic. Why aren't they putting that in this car? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And I would be—I I would just not buy this car because of the because of the powertrain that it's got in there, and because of my issues with the rear seat and the coach door. So, you know, just call me crabby, but that's the way I feel about it. And. I don't know. What are your thoughts about it? If you're going to pay 120 grand for a car, would you would you think it's cool because they only made 150 of them, and it's got the coach doors? Or are you like me saying it should have you know a V8 and a 10 speed automatic and you know a little bit more 
luxury, I guess, inside. Yeah, at that price point, I think it would have to be um, really something impressive. So I don't think at that price point it would have me. I yeah. think the only reason why they're doing it, and maybe even I'll use the term getting away with it, is because they are making it limited, which means, you know, sometimes you can build a one-of-one one something, you know, flying saucer with wheels, um, and all you need is one, right? All you need is one person to go, wow, I was always waiting for a flying saucer with wheels. You know, would I buy a flying saucer with wheels? No. But, you know, if they sell it for a million dollars and some guy's got a million dollars and is always waiting for a flying saucer to buy, you know, I guess maybe the limited edition is the way to do it. And it also uh, has the allure of being something more uh, impressive that not everybody could get. But sure. It, it doesn't sound like it's anything that's, you know, rocking my rocking my world. Yeah, I you know, I'll, I'll hand it to him for wanting to kind of go out in style, a blaze of glory, I guess you could say. But it just, you know, that V, you know, you know me, I, I it's something we joke about all the time on the program. I'm not a V6 fan. So uh, anything that's got a V6 and is never going to float my boat anyway, uh, very rarely would a V6 do anything for me. But um, it's the rarity, I guess. But I could just see, you know, these cars showing up at Barrett Jackson in a couple of years and they're not going to be going for 120 grand on the auction block. And even the, the, the summary here, this came from Motor Trend. The summary says, although the $118,960 price uh, represents a hefty markdown from a $314,000 entry-level Rolls-Royce Ghost, which has, you know, uh, the coach kind of doors on it as well, says the coach-built Continental uh, never shakes the feel of its donor car's sub $80,000 sticker. So they're saying, like, you know, you're paying forty grand over what a regular Lincoln Continental sells for, and it still feels like a a sub $80,000 car. So they say it's undeniably cool, super rare and large enough inside to transport all but the tallest passengers in immense comfort. So they're, they're being nice to it, but I just think visually too, I mean, it looks, it's all black. I think you can get other colors, but the black one, I mean, it just kind of looks just like a, another Lincoln town car, you know, that you would see transporting people to and from, you know, the airport. So, yeah. you know, if, if any of our listeners buy one, please let us know because we'd like to uh, see what your uh, your feelings are and why you decided to spend $120,000 on a coach door Lincoln. But unfortunately, it is a sad, a sad day in the automotive world, though, when another great name like Lincoln Continental goes by the wayside and um, you know is it just going to be SUVs now for the rest of their their existence we'll have to wait and see I sometimes I think that some of these car manufacturers are rushing into the whole SUV thing a little bit too quickly but we'll have to see we're at the point in the uh, program where we like to talk about a car that was either uh, recently sold or bought, uh, either online at auction, uh, for sale. doesn't always have to be an auction. This one comes from Bring a Trailer, and this is a fun car, Lou. It's an ex-California Highway Patrol, 1967 Oldsmobile Delmont 88. So it's the big old four-door, uh, late 60s uh, Oldsmobile uh, sedan cruiser. It was a real CHP car. Super well restored, and it was well sold though too. It shows ninety four thousand miles on the odometer, four twenty five cubic inch V eight. It sold for thirty seven thousand six hundred and seventy five dollars, which is a, that's a pretty good. yeah, that's a good price. I think it's well sold, but I think the person that's going to buy it, I think should have um, 
a lot of fun with it, too. It's got uh, turbo-hydromatic automatic transmission, of course, repainted black and white uh, color scheme, so they freshened up the paint, reupholstered the interior, has the B07 police apprehender package, beacon lights, an electromechanical siren, a Motorola two-way radio, and um, the B07 police apprehender package, Highway Patrol package includes a functional siren, red beacon lights, a front push bar, the Motorola two-way radio, chrome bumpers, and a trunk-mounted equipment box with period accessories. So I think it's just a a totally cool car. You see these cars show up, cars like this show up at a uh, car show every now and then, and I've never talked to any one of the owners, so I don't know if if, if those cars that I've seen at car shows were actual X- uh, real ex-police cars, or were they just, uh, you know, somebody's creation of one? But uh, this one was a was a, a CHP uh, Highway Patrol car, which is totally cool. The 425 in it is rated at 375 horsepower, so it would have some get-up-and-go. And it says the vehicle has reportedly won several awards from emergency vehicle shows around California. It was featured in the December 2008 of Hemmings Muscle Machines. So um, it's cool, but it's uh, sold well at thirty seven six seventy five, and uh, I always wonder too that <laughs> would would you get carried away with yourself if you own a car like that and you, you just feel like screwing around with somebody? I mean, of course, impersonating a police officer is not a smart thing to do, but do you think you'd like make someone sweat if you pull them behind and just kind of like and they can see you in your rearview mirror and you're thinking like, oh, you know, a cops following me? What should I do? Or <laughs> Do you have any of the fantasies like that, Lou? Any tough guy fantasies? You know, in your... I, uh, I think it, it's a fun car, but obviously, with uh, you know, uh, sadly, anybody who's uh, forty and under probably hasn't seen a cop car. Yeah, you're right. Cop then, SUV, right? Then, then a cop, uh, uh, then a cop. Uh, uh, what was I going to call it? Uh, a Crown Vic. Yeah. But uh, uh, so anything that was outside of a Crown Vic, you know, unless it's an SUV pulling you over and i will say i I was in indiana and i saw a uh a unmarked durango wow yeah which threw me for a loop and you know it had the uh, it was all black and it had the black you know police looking wheel covers yeah and then all of a sudden the lights were like coming from the inside Mm -hmm. you know the leds and i was just like wow that is a stealthy it looked pretty cool yeah wow that's that, now, that, something like that, have that pulling <laughs> up behind somebody. You look like you look like you're a uh, SWAT team member. Exactly, Secret Service. Yeah, pretty cool. Cool. Yeah, we always like to talk about uh, cars that have been sold or bought online, and uh, bring a trailer. We talk about it. Just a great place to uh, start a search or just see what is uh, for sale and see what stuff is going for too. They got a good search function there. If you're even just looking, like let's say you're considering buying a Porsche 914, you want to see what the market is like. You can go to bring a trailer. Enter in Porsche 914, and you can see what 914s have actually sold for on that site. It's a very useful tool as well as a lot of fun if you just have a, some time to while away on a rainy day. Uh, bring a Trailer is a great place to spend some time as well as Hemmings.com has a, a fantastic worldwide uh, classified section. And they're also uh, getting into the auction uh, business as well, too. And they've got auctions that are live now, too, on Hemmings. So two great places to uh, check out if you are a car guy like us. Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, this is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. If you like our program, be sure to check out some of the other uh, podcasts that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the show Back 
to you. And it's spelled back and then the numeral two, and then the word you. Back to you, legendary Chicago TV personalities and our buddies, since Lou and I were guests on this uh, on their podcast, Back to You, Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. They talk about their daily adventures. You never know what they're going to talk about because, uh, hey, they've seen a lot in their lives. They've lived a lot in their TV careers, and they've uh, worked together for a long time. So when you get that kind of combination, pretty much anything can happen. Listen to Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville on the podcast Back to You. It's available on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search Radio Misfits. And when you do, hey, that's where you'll find this podcast. The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. And Lou, we alluded to this earlier, alluded to this earlier. Uh, you were talking about your son uh, being interested in cars, and, and it's a good thing. And uh, we've heard a lot in, in the news uh, in the last couple of years that, you know, it seems like the younger generation, the millennials and, and the younger uh, people that are in high school now, don't really seem to be that interested in cars. They, they're not hurrying to get their licenses. I mean, back in the day when you and I were in high school, we, we were living for that. We couldn't wait to get our driver's license, and they taught driver's ed in school. Now I, I think, I mean, your, your kid, your, your son is in high school. They don't even offer driver's ed, do they, as a part of the curriculum? Don't you have to pay for it extra or do it on the side or something? Well, to answer your question, I believe they still have it, but we uh, did it, quote-unquote, on the side. We had some... Uh, uh, driver's location, um, you know, pay them. Uh, I think the, the fee was $250 and there's uh, so many classes and what they, uh, will do for you. I guess you could call it that is not only take them around in the driving and teach them the rules of the road, but then when that's done, uh, they give you a sheet of paper that they've contacted the state of Illinois saying this person has qualified to be an eligible driver and they give you, I'll call it a state certificate, okay. you know, so, so that, and, and also, um, there's like a 50 hours you have to drive, uh, with, uh, you know, a parent, yeah. someone who has a driver's license, yeah. you have to write all that down. Wow. There's a certain amount of time that you have to drive at night also, uh, and they want to know the conditions of the road. So, um, you and I, and I'll be specific for me, I mean, you turn 16, if you can pass that test, and you can manage not to put the car in, you know, in the dirt, you pretty much get your driver's license. Yeah. I mean, there was no 50 hours. I'm no, sure. I remember, well, I remember we had driver's ed in high school, and that was just offered as, you know, a course that you could yeah. take. It wasn't anything that yeah. you had to, like, pay extra for. And yeah. then and that had behind-the-wheel <clears throat> learning, so I think that counted for some kind of hours. And then I remember you would get your learner's permit, and you'd be able to drive, go out with somebody that had their, their, their license. But then I don't remember, like a, like you said, like a specific number of hours that we had to, to log or anything. I just remember, like, when you felt you were ready to take the test, you go to the Secretary of State's office, and they give you the, the written test and then the, the actual driving test. And if you pass, you pass, and that's it. So it was a lot easier back then. Yeah, I mean, and... Uh, um yeah, so so uh, you know, to the state's credit, you know they're they're trying to get drivers responsible, and I think that uh, you know there's some things that we do today that I think are backwards, and there's some things that we do that I think are progressive, and yeah. I think this is this is a safe, really good thing 
to give the state of Illinois a compliment. I think this is a really good thing the way they do it and, and have people be responsible. Because I will tell you, I was really irresponsible <laughs> as a driver at, at his age. I mean, you know, there was limited supervision. Yeah. And that's not good. Yeah. I mean, uh, my son, I actually had to take my radar detector and my Viper and change it because it would read out the speedometer on it, and he would go home and tell my wife. And There's that I wife and that speedometer thing again. <laughs> yeah. I would be like, are you kidding me? You told her how fast we were going? And he's like, hey, Dad, you were just breaking the law. And I was just like, you, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know. And I had to change my, speed, my radar detector to dumb it down so that it didn't read out the speed on the front of it. He could go home and tell her. It's funny too. The, kind of on a related note too, the um, the uh, Challenger has uh, built-in um, zero to sixty and zero to one hundred timers, and it also has a, a part of that. It records that you know your top speed of like whatever the top speed of the car is to date. It, it records it in there until you you know delete it. And I'm thinking, well, I, at least that'll kind of protect me because if I take it to the dealer. And I know what the the previous readings were. If I get it back, because you read these stories about uh, people bringing in a performance car to a dealer for like an oil change, and then the 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 porter or the mechanic, you know, hot rods the car while while it's there, and then gives it back to the to the owner. And at least this would tell me if they <laughs> if there's a lower zero to sixty time in there than what was what was in there when I brought it in, or at a higher top speed. Then I know <laughs> somebody's been having fun with my car. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's it's an interesting uh, world that uh, that we live in. But I think it's a good thing because cars are you know a lot more powerful um, you know for the size of cars these days. You know when everything has at least two hundred or whatever horsepower in it these days, even a little Econo box. And even though we have all the so called safety things, um, I just think that uh, you know more education or more time behind the wheels is. is can't be a bad thing so and it shocks me lou you were irresponsible really yeah right i know that's a shock i'm still irresponsible (laughs) yeah um, and what i I will say this yeah speaking speaking of yesterday so while my son was was riding in the 57 t-bird and by the way i think that's how you get younger people connected to the hobby is let them physically drive hands on sure I mean, you know, if you've got a Porsche, I'm just speaking to anybody out there right now, which I don't have a Porsche, you know, let somebody young ride in it and be the passenger. You know, don't don't hog it on them. Show them how to drive that manual if you got one. Show them how to, you know, what the pieces do, you know, because they do like to play with buttons. And a lot of new cars, like I'll take your Challenger, there's a lot of buttons in there. Yeah. I mean, that thing's like a video game. Yeah. So, you know, let them play with the buttons. Let them sit in the seat. Let them see what all the buttons are. Let them feel the difference between the, you know, the traction controls and stuff like that. And um, I'm a huge advocate for getting these young people involved in the cars because I am not an advocate of pretty soon we're going to be driving around in an egg, and I'm going to be sitting in the back seat, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, reading my iPad uh, so I can do more work. I hear you. Know, you. I don't, don't want to do more work. I want to drive some fun yeah. cars. Last thought on that. So when I was driving in the Oldsmobile. The speedometer, as it drives, it's actually what's called a barrel speedometer. It kind of spins. Yeah. And as it's spinning, it goes from green to orange. And I was trying to get the thing to red, <laughs> but my son was next to me, so I couldn't be a bad example. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, hey, how you guys doing? You know I mean? I was, 
you know, so I couldn't just, you know, take off down the road and see what, where, you know, where it turns to yeah, red. You know, yeah. 70 or 80. Or yeah, exactly. What they consider to be I, like speeding felt, back then. Yeah, I felt it a personal challenge. You know, I'm like, okay, green, yellow, there's got to be a red after that. You know, I mean, so anyway, but. <laughs> What 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 I'm leading up to here, Lou, is the fact that uh, you're Sorry, you're no that's oh no that's fine it's all related. Uh, Haggerty, uh, your good friend McKeel Haggerty uh, at Haggerty Insurance, Haggerty just released a, a study that uh, claims millennials are more interested in owning cars than boomers. And, uh, you know, I, I hate that term, okay, boomer, uh, which it, it kind of came out in the in the vernacular maybe a year or so ago about uh, millennials just going like, you know, I'm t- kind of like tired of hearing about all your your boomer stories. So just stop it already. But um, according to this uh, Haggerty study, over 10,000 American participants ages 18 and above, and they said that. Uh, more Gen Z and millennials reported that they currently own a classic or collectible vehicle. Um, so uh, a good 22% of the respondents were from the Gen Z age group, while 25% of the lot were millennials, beating both the older Gen X and baby boomer generations. It says, on the other hand, those who haven't owned one from these two younger age groups reported interest in classic and collectible cars, the study found. More than half of the Gen Zer and millennial participants expressed interest, superseding the heed from older generations, primarily populated by their fathers and grandfathers. So I guess if you kind of cut through all the research speak here, I guess what they're just saying is that to much to our surprise, the uh, younger generation still is interested in cars they're just not saying exactly what they're buying i guess uh we've heard the 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 cars of obviously they grew up with so cars from the 80s and the 90s and and even the early 2000 cars are kind of getting uh interest i think but i mean like your son's friends are they into cars as well too or 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 do you think it's just because he's got a cool dad um i think Believe it or not, I think the thing that impresses them about me is not the cars as much as the amount of subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> I guess because okay, well that's their world, right? It's all online, it's yeah, all social so, media, so So, so the, yeah, the fact that that my son uh his dad has, you know, 86,000 at the current time subscribers, you know, it makes me uh popular in, in their eyes. Yeah. Know, that's, that's impressive. So you know, I, 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 uh, but back to the cars, um, you know, I don't see a lot of them like you or I, I mean, we could actually sit in your garage and just look yeah. and be okay. Yeah. I don't see any of them doing that. I see them come, take a quick look at it, Yeah. but it's almost like their phone, you know, it's, it's like TikTok where they need that every 10 seconds, mm-hmm. something new popping in front of them to catch their attention. So it's, uh. Um, it's different for us than it was for them just because for us it's freedom and for them it's, um, you know, like a video game. I'll play it for a while and then I'm done yeah. with it. Now what do I need to do? So, well, I think one of the, the, the best examples of, of the younger generation being into cars that I've witnessed in the last four or five years uh, has been when um, I go to the uh, – have attended the supercar, the local supercar Saturday events where they'll get, you know, easily three, 400 cars out there, every every totally cool car you could ever think of. And I always refer to them as the paparazzis uh, out at the entrance 
primarily checking out the cars, either coming or going, but usually leaving because that's when they're going to like get on the gas a little bit to get out onto the road and stuff. And there was at any given Saturday morning out there, there'd be, you know, 10, 20, 30 high school maybe even junior high to high school age kids out there with their phones, taking pictures, taking video of all the cool cars driving, well, well, me, leaving the event. And I think that was cool. I, it it kind of really put a smile on my face. Well, let me pause you there. I don't think they're doing the same thing that you think they're doing. In other words, you're thinking <laughs> that they're enjoying the cars. Yeah, and they're not. They're, they're waiting for some knucklehead to spin out well, up on the curb and, and and you know completely wreck the rim on their car and potentially take someone out <laughs> and give them the chance to get that video. That would blow up on YouTube. Yeah. So, well, that did happen a year ago. Some some knucklehead in a nine eleven spun out and high sided his car on high centered his car on the on the uh, median in the middle. <laughs> that's that's what they're waiting. Yeah, and, and, and to your point, I, w- I was thinking about what you were saying is is just that um, uh, one of the reasons, and I'm glad we're bringing this up because one of the reasons is I'm so passionate about not only leaving the legacies of these cars, which is why I video them. Uh, and then getting the stories from the caretakers. But by getting those stories and being on YouTube, which is not really my platform, my platform would be, you know, they would look at me and they'd say, you probably watch TV, don't you? (laughs) So, you know, as though that was a bad thing. Oh, he's one of those TV watchers. So, but I (laughs) knew that and I wanted to be on their platform. So if I could get on their platform and speak to them in what I'll call Lou and Mark's language, and even if I just get a handful of them to convert over, I would feel that that was a victory. So, um, yeah, the, one of the reasons why I'm on YouTube is because that's their that's their platform. That's what they see as important, and I want to be where they're important and speak their language. Mm-hmm. That's good, and I like that you view yourself as a as like a historian. You know, someone that wants to preserve what's out there, because um, I think that's that's important too. That I don't necessarily take that view of myself but i do um appreciate the fact that uh people that have collector cars especially the older collector cars that take care of and restore them and want to keep them running you know you're preserving history you're preserving art you're preserving design you're preserving stuff that yeah i want to give you a little credit here because it sounds like you're you're or maybe you're not thinking of this but you're definitely a guy who preserves history i mean the way you take care of your cars the way you view them how you're explaining everything and i'll tell you for the for the people listening to the podcast thank god i'm not reading and doing the list because you would see how badly i don't pay attention (laughs) and can't articulate the way mark can so the fact that you're explaining everything and you're great with the details and you're very uh, methodical with gathering all that information and expressing it in a way that's easy. I'll call it dumbed down for people like me. <laughs> so, uh, makes it easy to enjoy. Well, the cars that, that's well. good to hear, Lou, because next time I have trouble getting out one tenth of a mile per gallon out of my mouth, <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll think of your kind comments, so I appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, it's like, I mean, not to get off totally on a tangent, but just real quick. I mean, the, the reason that I, I really enjoy, you know, my, my the Saab that I, that I have that I brought back from Sweden is the fact that it's one of the last 300 they ever made of that model. And to me, that's, a, that's really a piece of automotive history because after the 300, there's no more ever. And this is one of the last 
of the bunch. And I just think that is just so cool. And I try to convey that to people at car shows when they're, when they're seeing it. And some get it and some don't. But, um, you know, because I say, like, to me, this is automotive history right here because that's what that stands for. So I'm glad that we see eye to eye on that, uh, Lou. And on that happy note, millennials or not, we should all be washing our hands and we should be wearing our masks as the uh, prevention measures for COVID-19 continue worldwide. We'll be helping to save the world at the same time and also make sure you wash your hands enough, too. We're going to take a hand-washing break right now. Lou's going to go to his uh, his office bathroom and I'm going to go to the Car Guys Report uh, uh, slop sink and uh, wash my hands. We'll be right back after this. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Basker. And I'm back to you. We're going to say our piece about what happened in Washington, D.C. Well, it's also in context to what's been happening in the country. It's not just today's story, but even 50 years ago. Four iconic songs that helped capture the moment of history from years ago. There are feelings that have come to mind. On Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we talk with Pulitzer Prize winner for the 1970 Kent State photograph, John Paul Philo. Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. And Lou, in the last episode, we started working our way through the 22 best GT, modern GT cars, courtesy of Road and Track. And we pretty much uh, didn't have too much disagreement. The only thing that we were kind of uh, kvetching about was the fact that uh, some of the cars, at least in my estimation, weren't really a true GT. We, uh, I, I defined a GT car as a two-door coupe with four seats, so it have a rear seat, and it has to have a trunk. Can't have a hatchback, can't have just be a two-seater. You begged to differ a little bit with the Corvette, which was on the list, the McLaren GT, which is on the list. So let's continue on. I think you'll find a little bit more normalcy here with uh, part two of the list, uh, a little bit more... Um, pedestrian type uh, cars they're still uh gts uh for the most part but uh, let's continue and and see what happens the rolls royce wraith w r a i t h that has suicide doors that is just a massive massive two-door it's got a it's got a trunk it's got four seats it's got a hood that's about 10 feet long it sells for about $400,000. <laughs> so I think in, in, in the terms of, of showing that you've arrived with the GT car, I think the Rolls-Royce Wraith is uh, definitely at the, uh, at the top of the list. Um, the Audi RS7. Now, I take, uh, I take uh, uh, they're calling that a GT, but it's another hatchback. So I don't see how that gets on the list. So we'll just scratch that off. Porsche 928. Now, that has a hatch on it as well. It's a two-seater or four-seater, two-door, V8 in the front, rear-wheel drive, which is not a requirement for a, for a GT car, but usually they have front-engine rear-wheel drive, uh, usually. Uh, Porsche 911 is on the list, too. Now, see, I think it's a borderline GT. 
because uh, it has a trunk, but the trunk's in the front, so it makes it a frunk. It's got two seats in the back, which are worthless, um, and it's a two-door. So I don't know. Uh, the 911, I'm borderline on. I own one. I don't know if I consider it a, two, a true GT car or not. Uh, but the next one on the yep. list, definitely. The Maserati Gran Turismo. It's even in the name. Um, I, that was the car that I cross-shopped with the 911. And uh, definitely, uh, hands down, that's a great uh, GT car. Uh, four-seater, two-door, trunk, great engine, great soundtrack, uh, great looks. And that's a car, Lou, you could take from uh, New York to L.A. and do it in yeah. style. Of those choices you just mentioned, if yeah. you had the one it would be that one you just mentioned yeah Yeah. um the 911 you know not the coziest car i've ever been let me define cozy cozy isn't that it wraps you up like a blanket because if that's the case based on their seats it could be the coziest (laughs) car in the choice but i'm saying cozy from actually like comfortable driving from one end to the other uh yeah completely breaking your back yeah uh just for me it'd be a legroom issue i mean i have legroom in that car but not enough to really want to take it on a super long trip i've taken it on you know 150 200 mile journeys before but nothing in the thousands of miles uh and i think it would get a little a little claustrophobic a little tight after that plus the frunk it's okay i mean it doesn't have as much room as a standard trunk uh, if you're only two people, which usually if you're in a GT car on a, on a road trip, it'll only be two people. You still have to pack light, I think, to fit everything into the front comfortably versus, um, you know, a full-size trunk in, in some of these other cars. Like the Gran Turismo, I think, has a pretty good-sized trunk as well. Um, and those back seats in the 911, I have mine folded down because nobody ever rides in the back seat and then to me having the seats folded down is much more usable for throwing stuff like my chair for a for a cars and coffee or something in the back instead of trying because it won't fit the chair the little those folding chairs that you bring to the the cars and coffees and cruise nights won't fit in the frunk so uh, i have to throw them behind the seats and having the seats folded down makes a lot of sense a uh, few more uh, cars on this uh, 22 best modern GT cars. Now, modern, they didn't really decide define what modern meant, uh, what year cutoff, because they threw the Jaguar E-Type in here. And an E-Type, you know, was discontinued oh, in the that, early 70s. Yeah, it was like a 74 with yeah. the last E-Type. And that had a, a hatchback that had a, a door, really, that would open, right? Well, you could always look at the convertible version, but yeah, there was the, the you know that was in the realm of possibility. Yeah, that that's a questionable GT choice. The Mercedes. No, I, that's not a. I, you, have you ever driven one? No, an E Type. No. I've driven an E Type. You can't drive that across the country from coast. Oh to coast. no, no, no your no. your leg would be burning up from the heat, and your. Uh, back would probably be killing you and you're you'd be deaf and <laughs> yeah a few other things now, now good news is the car is good looking so nobody ever noticed that you're uncomfortable in it yeah exactly <laughs> uh the mercedes sl now that's a that's a roadster that's not a gt the sl is the two-seat um convertible the big one but it's still a two-seater it's it, it's a roadster not a gt the Mercedes S-Class Coupe, yes, that's a that's a GT, and I added my E-Class Coupe in there too. 
totally awesome cars. And S-Class Coupe, you could drive around the world <laughs> and be comfortable in. Uh, gorgeous car, super expensive, great car. The Lexus LC500. Now, that's that uh, really beautiful car they brought out a couple years ago. It's got the V8, naturally aspirated. Gorgeous car. And that actually has four seats in it, uh, front engine, rear drive. It's got a trunk. Uh, that that totally fits the GT. And then a car that we talked about last episode, which you will agree with, the BMW 850 CSI. Now, that's a great GT. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that'll work. Four-seat, uh, trunk, uh, good powertrains, um, and the modern 852, uh, which they have, which is uh, a big uh, two-door proper GT uh, sedan. But... Uh, or coupe. But this comes from uh, Road and Track. Their thoughts on what are the 22 best uh, modern GT cars available right now, Grand Touring GT. And our thoughts here between uh, me and Lou on the uh, list. And we like to do lists here on the uh, Car Guys Report. That's what uh, makes this uh, podcast fun. And if you like what uh, you're listening to here on the Car Guys Report, remember that we're available pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, tune in, Android Stitcher, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Audible, Amazon Music Podcasts. We are everywhere. Just search for Radio Misfits on Google. You can also search for Car Guys Report, too. You'd find us. And remember, when you get any uh, podcast from the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, everything is free. It's listening on demand on your own terms. You can fast forward, rewind, replay, save, do whatever you want. It's all up to you on whatever device you're listening on, whether it's a uh, phone, a tablet, a desktop, a laptop, in your car, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, whatever, wherever you are, take us along. The Radio Misfits Podcast Network is where you'll find this podcast, The Car Guys Report. Informed Automotive, Mark Vernon, along with Luke Hostable. And Lou, it's time for The Car Guys Report Guessing Game. You can tell uh, all our seasoned listeners and our new listeners how the game works. Take it away. So if you're new to the podcast, uh, this game is that I have a YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou. Uh, I like to say I let the videos percolate a couple of months before uh, we do the video here, or the, uh, excuse me, the um, game game here, yes. And uh, what I do is I give Mark three cars that are all uploaded in the same week, and he has to guess which came in first, second, and third by the amount of views. So he has no idea, so you can guess right along with him and choose your three and see if you come up with the correct uh, number of the most views, the second most views, and the third most views. And I take the uh, cars by the oldest to the newest uh, to give you no clue on which one is leading the charge. And just as a reminder, last episode I failed miserably. Well... Yeah, so and there was some some clear winners in that one. So this could be a little more challenging because in this list, all three of the cars have five thousand views. So this means that they're all just about at the same level of interest. Dead heat. And now you're going. Yeah, this is a dead heat. So now you're going to have to determine which one has the five hundred and twenty-eight, the two hundred and twenty-one, or the forty-three huh. of the five thousand forty-six wow. views. So. We'll start from the oldest to the newest. The oldest one on this list today is the 55 Dodge Custom Royal Lancer in red and black and engine sounds. This one is all stock, 
and it has uh, red sides, white top, black over the roof and the trunk line. And uh, it being the Royal Lancer, it has the chrome package on it. Oh, wow. So that's the highlighted, updated one. The next one in the list is, um, give me one second, I just uh, bounced it off my list accidentally. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll quickly recover here. Wait a minute, the this next, one doesn't belong. <laughs> yeah, no, these will all belong. Yeah. Find the time frame. Give me a moment. I apologize. That's I, okay. I have, this I is live. Have, That's the best part about it. Yeah, I, I can give you the updates, but I want to try to give you all of the information. 1962 Ford Galaxy 500 XL, and uh, this is the convertible. This one has a four-speed, and this one also has the um, 406 high-performance engine. So let me read that all at one, one line. 1962 Ford Galaxy 500XL convertible four-speed and a 406 engine. And what color? Now, this color is tan or a light cream. Hmm. Uh, I think it's, uh, the actual Ford color is called Corinthian white. Hmm. Although you wouldn't think it's Corinthian white, you'd think it's more ivory with a black top. Okay. And then the last one on the list is a 1974 Fiat X19 in beige, engine sound and ride. So we have the Fiat, <laughs> the 74 Fiat, the 55 Dodge Custom Royal Lancer, and the 62 Ford Galaxy 500 XL convertible with all the special goodies. Okay, I got it. I got it this time. I'm going to go with the X19 number one. Because you just never, ever see those cars, and a lot of people don't remember what that was. The 55 Dodge Royal Lancer in the number two spot, and the 500XL convertible pulling up the rear. Well, you had them somewhat correct. The number two car is the the Dodge Custom Royal Lancer, but the number one car this time was the 62 Ford Galaxy, which you put in the trifecta spot. And the number one car was actually in the trifecta spot. Yeah. Now, first of all, give yourself some credit because all three of these cars were, you know, from a from a when you're at a, when you're at a thousand views and you've got five thousand views. This is splitting hairs by saying one has five hundred and twenty-eight more views versus the other one has five thousand and forty-three. Yeah. So, um, yeah, th- this was a this was a tough pick. And, and to your point, all three of these cars are cars you don't see anymore. I mean, try to find a 62 Ford Galaxy XL convertible, let alone with a four-speed and, and that motor with it, and, and the, you know, the 406, and trying to find a 74 Fiat. Huh. Uh, they all rusted out. Yeah, they're they're all gone. I mean, you know, uh, obviously not all gone, but... Uh, yeah, no, they're... they're and, and the thing that strikes me, too, is, and we've talked about this before, um, is... When you see a 74X19 in person, that car is tiny, super, super narrow. It's, it, it, it's almost like three quarters the size of a regular car these days. And it never seemed that small back in the day. But nowadays, it looks very small when you see it in person. Was that your uh, feeling? Yeah, it, it's, um, it's a tiny car. It's, it's uh, almost at the uh, MG midget level. You don't yeah. think of it that way, but... 
yeah, it's it's awful tiny, and you're realizing that you know you are not talking about a lot of horsepower. You're no. talking about like 65 horsepower total, which uh, I think my new lawnmower I bought has yeah. 12. I and mean, a real so, a real mid-engine car though too, which was what was unique about that car. Yeah, it handled pretty well. Yeah, you know, but uh, uh, you know, you're 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 right. I mean, you're uh, you know when you're driving in this thing, I mean. Uh, uh, you know, you're part of the road. You definitely feel a little, I'll call it vulnerable. Yeah, oh, yeah. You, you know, you don't want to get tagged in something like this. That's for sure. Uh, you get tagged, you're having a real bad day. <laughs> Did you have the target top on or off? Oh, we had to have it off. Okay. It a, it, yeah, it was a real nice day, and we um, we do it right, Mark. Cool. We, we get Because well. it's the target top off, you get better sound, too, especially when... I'm going to say when you're stepping on it, but that's a real exaggeration. You have to be going downhill with the wind in your back. Yeah, but, but those those Fiat engines in the 70s, they were pretty high high revving little overhead cam yeah, engines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, first of all, our, let, let's let's look at what the the other facts are. I like to put in there. What's the fun factor? Was yeah. it fun? Yeah. Oh, the little Fiat was fun. Yeah, it 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 funned up real nice. And beige, though, that's the only thing I don't I, I wouldn't be crazy about. Uh, that color. Maybe that's why it lasted so long. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, you're right. I think yeah, most of the ones I've seen are red, maybe blue, red. Yeah, but beige. Uh, yeah, well, well, you know, anybody who buys a beige Fiat, you know, wanted to stick it in the garage because they didn't want people to see it. Maybe. So, <laughs> so, so now that you know, now that you, uh, uh, I'm having a little fun here for those of you who are Fiats who have beige Fiats. You know, by the way, Mark, what's so they can send the hate mail? What's yeah. the, uh, what's the <laughs> email again? It's carguysreport at hotmail dot com. Send those hate <laughs> mails to Lou, and Mark will screen them. I'll never see them. But uh, go ahead. Send those hey, we're the ones that call my Fiat a piece a lot. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> or you can just go to the channel, the My Car Story with Luke channel, find the Fiat, and then put a comment yeah, in and I'll reply. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, uh, no, I mean, um, uh, yeah, beige would not be my color for any car. Yeah, you're right. Except for if you have like a, you have like a Land Rover, a Jeep, something off-roadish, beige works fine. But anything else, not really. Yeah, if you're in Desert Storm, yeah, you could have a Hummer in beige. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you fit right in. You're going to run through the sand. You know, okay, I, I take that back. You're right. If I have a Hummer and I'm in Afghanistan, you I want beige. Or, or if I'm in Scottsdale in the desert, yeah, I want beige. <laughs> well, as usual, Lou, the uh, assortment of cars that you have uh, teased me with and, and challenged me with today is uh, never-ending and always exciting, and that's what your uh, YouTube channel is all about. My Car Story with Lou, over uh, 87,000 subscribers, over 1,500 great, very interesting, and very unique car videos. Check it out if you have a chance, and I'm sure that uh, you will because there's some really neat stuff on My Car Story with Lou. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, I'll be file, uh, flying solo for a while with uh, more great car stuff. We're going to send Lou off for a drive somewhere and 
maybe he'll come back. We'll have to wait and see. Mark Vernon, along with Luke Hostel, thanks so much for taking us along for the ride today. Certainly glad to have had you with us on this episode of the Car Guys Report. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opie is hippo spelled backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. This Opie podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Yeah. On and Friends, we like to occasionally torture ourselves by trying something that we may or just may not like. Sometimes people like to bring things that they know we're not going to like. And sometimes they bring things that we might not like, but we actually do. All that and more on and Friends, an Old Pie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. On this week's Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Ricky Gervais makes a tasty snack. Forgetting your password can cost you $240 million. Quebec, husband on a leash. And my brush with Walter Payton. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits.